Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Spooky Girls, the podcast where we explore all sorts of real-life paranormal and creepy occurrences, from ghost sightings and hauntings to reported alien and cryptid encounters, myths, folklore, legends and more. Every week we cover a different true spooky story. We're your hosts, I'm Katrina. And I am Jasmine. Good evening once again from Hong Kong. How are you? I am good. How are Lovely. you? I'm very well, thank you. Hong Kong's getting warm again, so I'm very glad that I will be leaving in three weeks. I'm finally returning to the mothership back to the Yay. UK. Uh, yeah, Hong Kong is crap. Unfortunately, guys, stay away. It's not a fun time here. Just don't do it. <sighs> Aside from that, nothing new. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, actually, wait. Okay, I was going to ask you this before. So mm-hmm. I was looking for something new to watch and I stumbled on a TV show that I think it rings a bell and the pilot felt very familiar as did the entire premise. And it might have been something which I watched with you forever ago. Did we ever watch Dead Like Me? I fucking love Dead Like Me. Thought so, oh, yes. Oh my so God. I've just started watching it. I'm fucking obsessed. I adore it. I I'm watched on... it when I was like six. Like I watched it on the TV when it was on. Yeah, it's old. It's oh, from like 2003. Oh my God. Yes. I know. No, like I, said, like I was watching it and, and I was like, this is something I would have watched. I, I was like, why did no one tell me about this show? It was really good. And that pilot, I think the best pilot of any TV show I've ever seen. Speaking of things that I watched, which I told you about, which was awful. The new live action Resident Evil. Oh, I have been avoiding watching the movie because I've heard such such shameful things. I'm pretty good when it comes to watching films and things. Like, I don't switch them off. But this, I was so tempted to switch off multiple times. Like, whoever wrote it did not understand any of the characters and, like, the plot. It was like Umbrella were poisoning the town. (laughs) So it was like these... They weren't even zombies at first. It was just... It's like Claire returns home to Raccoon City and then there's there's a family and they each have, like, one tooth and three strands of hair and she's like something's going on here and chris is like you're being paranoid like like everyone is severely poisoned and they're just like no claire you're And, and like at first it starts off that like in a in an orphanage and like i thought it was a ghost thing at first like i thought i had the wrong thing on like it was really I, weird. I think the orphanage thing because there is an orphanage in the games. I think I think what I've heard about it is that because I've I've so the mixed reviews I've heard say that it is very faithful to the video games in terms of it includes like stuff from Resident Evil One and Two and a bit of Three. Like it's got all the main characters in it, so it it's been the most faithful sort of remake of the games. No, but they didn't even like. I wouldn't say that it was faithful to the game. I think like they literally took the settings maybe Hmm. and they were only in the settings for like a second and Ada's not in it. That's shameful. Wesker upset me the most because it's like he was so like friendly with them all and then and then yeah it was like it was not my Wesker. My Wesker does not give a shit about anyone or anything. (laughs) Wesker's a heartless bitch and we love him for it. Yeah. 
it was just bad. It was all bad. It was horrible. It was, I need to cleanse myself. We need to just like watch it and get drunk and laugh at it. That way it'll cleanse your brain to replace it with funny memories as opposed to, oh God, I want to kill myself. You see, I think we should try and do that. We can do this. If anyone has um, any thoughts or feelings (laughs) about (laughs) Resident Evil Return to Raccoon City. And that was the thing as well, is that it's like, it was, it's Raccoon City, Mm -hmm. but it looked like it was this like tiny town in the middle of nowhere that's part of what makes like the second resident evil so threatening is that it's a city Mm. like there are thousands and thousands and thousands of zombies like there aren't very many zombies in this film i think if if they had perhaps if they hadn't tried to do so much at once it sounds like they really just tried to like smush everything yeah i was just about to say like i think that that's what angers me so much is that they had so much material to work with and they could have made just like an amazing zombie film with, to be honest, I'm going to say the plot of Resident Evil 2. Mm-hmm. I think merging 2 and 3 would have been fine, like that's enough. Did you watch the new um, the new Falling in Reverse video for Zombified? No. So it's, a gr- it's amazing and the production quality is insane. That looked like it was set on that night in Raccoon City. <laughs> that looked more faithful to Resident Evil than the own Resident Evil movie. So, Jasmine, I hear you have a story for us. Yes, I do. So, uh, this story was actually recommended to me by our dear, dear friend, Andrew. Andrew! Um, Yes, Andrew is the OG Spooky Gal fan. So, without further ado, this is uh, the story of the Atlas Vampire. My sources are Wikipedia, of course, Ranker.com, StrangeRemains.com, HistoryOfYesterday.com, and ListVerse.com. Vampires have long attracted global fascination. Long before literary behemoths Dracula and Lestat charmed audiences with tales of these dashing, dangerous, eternally damned immortals, Legends of bloodsuckers were found in almost every culture. From the barrel-shaped water-dwelling kappa of Japan to the estuaries of Eastern European and Jewish folklore, we have covered a great many mythic exsanguinators on Spooky Gals alone. But what of real-life vampirism? What happens when grisly gothic fiction becomes the scene of a living dead nightmare? Lily Lindstrom, born in 1900, lived in a small apartment in Atlas, a neighbourhood located in the Swedish city of Stockholm. She and a few other women in her building worked from their homes as prostitutes. From Jack the Ripper to the Yorkshire Ripper, sex workers had been victimised by many a serial killer over the years, perhaps drawn to the perceived vulnerability of their profession. The pervasive social and legal ostracization suffered by many of these individuals, most commonly women, makes them easy prey, soft targets for those with callous hearts and violent tendencies. The year is 1932, and Lily is about to be viciously murdered in her own bed by an unknown, unseen assailant. On the night of April 30th, Lily knocks on the door of her neighbour and close friend, 
Minnie Janssen. Both women work as prostitutes and, aware of the dangers posed by this, look out for one another. When Lily asks if she has any condoms, Minnie gathers that she has a client in her room and quickly fetches one for her. Lily returns a few hours later, naked beneath a thick coat, requesting one more after the first one broke. Of course, Minnie gladly hands one over. This is the last time anyone reports seeing Lily alive. Minnie goes over to Lily's flat the following day on May the 1st and, receiving no reply after knocking on the door, she assumes Lily is out celebrating the holiday of Walpurgisnacht. After all, the holidays brought with them plenty of business. But when no one hears from Lily for a few days, Minnie gets worried. She alerts the police, who decide to make an emergency welfare check on Minnie's behalf. The officers break into Lily's apartment on May the 4th to find her dead. She's been there a while, face down on the daybed, her clothes folded neatly atop the pillows. The crime scene baffles the detectives. There seems to be no motive for this brutal slaying. It can't have been theft, as the police can account for all of Lily's possessions and note that no money has been taken from her wallet. With the exception of a used condom still inside her body, the scene of Lily's aggressive murder is somehow spotless. Though the cause of death is ruled as blunt force trauma to the brain, the back of Lily's head caved in with the assailant having bludgeoned her repeatedly from behind, there is a staggering lack of blood, both in and around her corpse. In fact, aside from a small amount of dried blood beneath the body, the only other presence of blood is found smeared on a dishcloth salvaged from the sink basin. When Minnie recounts her last meeting with Lily, the police immediately suspect that she had been killed that same evening by her client or, potentially, that following morning. However, neither Minnie nor any other neighbours questioned about the suspect can recall seeing a strange gentleman enter or leave the building unaccompanied on the days leading up to the discovery of Lily's body. It is as if he vanished into thin air. When the press report the discovery of a ladle near the body, bloodied and yet far too light to have been considered a murder weapon, the rumour mill is sparked and it becomes widely speculated that Lily's murderer had drank her blood after committing the act. These rumours are stoked by reports of dried saliva on the victim's throat, as well as the shocking lack of blood evidence. Are the police to look for a fellow police officer who understands what they might be looking for at a crime scene? Is the murderer someone familiar with human anatomy and body fluids, a surgeon, perhaps, or a mortician? Or are they looking for another breed of beast entirely, one which is supposed to be lurking in horror novels or stalking the silver screen? A more likely culprit could have been an individual who suffered from clinical vampirism, also nicknamed Renfield Syndrome. This psychological disorder, 
named after Dracula's bug-eating human henchman who fancied himself a vampire in training, is marked by a psychotic delusion that one is a vampire, or could become one if they drain and drink human blood. Modern cases of clinical vampirism indicate a sexual element to the drinking of blood. The violence of draining away the life force of someone else, imbuing those under the delusion with a false sense of preternatural strength. One year before Lily Lindstrom's death in 1931, German serial killer Peter Curtin. Sorry, that name always makes me laugh. <laughs> Peter Curtin. Just such a like pleasant sounding name, and wait till you hear what he fucking did. German serial killer Peter Curtin was executed in Germany for the murder of nine people, all of whom he partially exsanguinated before drinking their blood. With such a recent and widely reported murder case occurring not too far from Sweden, it could stand to reason that a copycat killer found himself compelled to follow Curtin's macabre lead, drinking the blood of his victims too. Many theories are put to and explored by the Swedish police, with numerous members of Lily's clientele questioned and dismissed as suspects. Rumours of a vampiric slaying are challenged by the coroner's report, which cites the lack of puncture wounds aside from the fatal blows to the back of Lily's head. With no damning eyewitnesses or incriminating evidence, and taking place well before the scientific discovery of forensic DNA analysis, Lily Lindstrom's killer is never found, and the case remained to this day ice cold. Supernatural or not, there is one thing we know for sure. A murderer walked free that day on Walpurgisnacht 1932. A cowardly monster in his own right. No dripping fangs or romanticised immortality necessary. That's so creepy. How was yeah, it horrible caught, though? Like if that's someone's yeah, mo. Like, I mean, so 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 this is the thing. Like there was never anything more found about this person, and people just didn't notice anyone coming and going i guess because it's kind of kind of sounds like a makeshift brothel of sorts people mm. try not to look too much perhaps i think the most upsetting thing about this whole case is i was doing some research and it's still such a dangerous job to have mm. you know or to do or to have to do in any respect i think like the death statistics is like 15 percent or something like that Jesus. which is horrifying that's including like globally Jesus. but i actually yeah. i actually had a couple of theories on on this one. Oh, go on so so for most of it i tried to not specify the gender of the killer mm. because i don't know i feel like miss minnie had a lot of a lot of words to say on the matter. She was very chatty to detectives. You think it was Minnie? I don't know, perhaps. <laughs> or maybe she saw something that she shouldn't have seen. I don't know. I feel like with these things, of course, like, it's it's such a shame because when you look at what they had, they had fuck ton of evidence they had hairs they had like her blood yeah. they had you know they had a fucking used condom which they found like inside her yeah so everything that wasn't was Minnie. there no but like you don't know 
you can plant that shit on people, I guess. <laughs> I, I, my point is that like they had all of this DNA, which could mm. have been damning had they just fucking, you know, invented forensic science a little <laughs> bit earlier. Yeah. It's the re- their fault for not inventing. The goddamn Swedish police. Mm. Can't even time travel. Come on. Although actually, it does seem like they really fucking tried their best. Like they asked so many people on poor Lily's client um, client list. There was mm. there was one person. There was one person who was like a very strong suspect. Um, and but he was later accounted for because he was w- with his wife. But then his wife couldn't be found. So yeah. it's a bit like, hmm, I think you found your guy. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was quite cool and creepy and all of like the vampire sort of It is very rumor. cool and creepy. Yes, it but is. But the thing is, was calling it like Renfield's syndrome. I, I'd, I'd expect them to be eating bugs. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's again because like the romantic connotations of Dracula, like Twilight and shit, people just cannot help but make vampires sexy because there is it, there was always a sexual element oh, to vampires it. Vampires are sexy. Yeah, they are sexy they because me. because they're meant to be like, you know, these alluring, like beautiful, forever young, forever sexy. Mm. And that's that they're almost like sirens, right? Like that's yeah. how they draw you in. Um, so I guess they didn't want to kind of glamorize it, like Dracula's disease. Oh, I want to have that. I'll kill some people it's, and drink yeah. their blood. I'll become it's Renfield, the little mm. fucking hobgoblin eating flies <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> Enjoy, <Yeah>. kids. <laughs> That's something they should do. Just Master. like <laughs> name stuff after like things you do not want to be associated yeah. with, like I don't know. Nonce disease, but it's nothing to do with with paedophilia. It's just like <laughs> killing your wife. God, yeah, all I can think of is Dracula dead and loving it when I'm yeah. thinking of Renfield drinking Boys. wine and eating chicken. <laughs> or best. at the end, where he draws a smiley face. <laughs> it just, it's good to see you smile again, master. <laughs> oh, I want to watch that again. <laughs> oh, that was the best. Leslie mm. Nielsen. Yeah. What a king. So For me, having a ladle. Like, if this person drank her blood with a ladle, that's very genteel of them. Personally, I think it was Prince Andrew. I think so as well. Just mm. time traveling. I think he oh, can time travel. Prick. Definitely. All the reptiles yeah. can. I've seen them do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just feel so bad for poor Lily. Bless her. I know. And her name was so cool. What was it? Lily Lindstrom. Yeah, like that's an amazing name. Yeah. I mm. mean, so it was her ex-husband's name. So she got divorced a few years earlier, but didn't change her name back. Um, and yeah, I think it's a nice name. I can see why she wouldn't change it. Yeah, it's a cool name. Super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Lily. Yeah. Poor Lily. And you Poor have Lily. to look up like the crime scene pictures because I swear like mm. cameras back then were just so shit. But like their handwriting was beautiful. This police officer had this like lovely swirly penmanship. <laughs> really just set the whole thing off, I mm. would say. So. I'll have a look. Bless them. I think it must be, I I think it's someone who like already knew her to do that. Because in any other circumstance I would say like who would be able to gain access to to a building and not draw attention would be either an ex or 
like you said, a family member. But in this case, because it was like... No, I said a client. Oh, I I thought you said family member. No, no, I said familiar. Oh! (laughs) Sorry, There's someone who's already familiar. Again, someone on that client list was telling a porky pie. Or it was Miss Minnie Hansen. I don't know. I don't think it was Minnie. <laughs> Sorry, Minnie. <laughs> Minnie's grandchildren, if you can hear this. I'm just speculating. <laughs> it's such a shame. Again, you just look back at all these cases like, a used condom, better throw that away. Like, no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that's it from me. What about you, Jasmine? Yeah. That's all. Oh, um, if you guys haven't checked out our merch yet, we have some lovely, lovely, lovely items up in Tee Public. If you want to go and have a look at them, there's a link Yay. in the description of the video and also in our link tree, which you can find on our Instagram, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. All the what lovely video places. are you talking about? Sorry, there's not a video. It's not a video. <laughs> this, is, this is a podcast. There's a link in the video. Sorry. There's a link in the description. Mm-hmm. There you go. There Yay. is not a video. Boom. This is not a video. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I think that was all I had. Yay. <laughs> in my mulch brain. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. And we hope to have you back for the next episode. If you want to get in touch for any reason, just to say hello or to send us a story of your own true paranormal or spooky experience, please email us at spookygirlspodcast at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at spookygirlspod and on Instagram at spookygirlspodcast. If you want to support us further, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash spookygirls. And from as little as $2 a month, you gain access to bonus episodes and other awesome content that we have planned for the future. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you all next time. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.